Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Some of you come from a Catholic background. And you kind of remember this deal, but us Protestants had our own way to do this. You remember this deal that you would go on a Saturday or Sunday and you would go to confession and you would confess your sins. And then the next six days, you would get a new list for the next week to go. You know what I meant? Yeah. In other words, we only kind of live for God one day a week. The other six days, we live for the devil ourselves. The whole living for God thing can be really difficult sometimes, especially if you're still kind of keeping your own hand on the driving wheel. The basic problem is that we still like doing some of the things we think God will want us to give up or put aside. Pastor Mark is reminding us in his teaching that living that way will not please God, and it won't please us either. Our hearts will be divided as we swing back and forth, and certainly God's blessings will be elusive. The best thing to do is to give in to God's commands, go through the struggles, and receive His blessing when it's all over. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 2 with part 1 of his message, Status Quo, No. Status quo. No. How many of you this morning already or yesterday opened email? Let me see your hands. You had email. Okay. Did anybody you have reply in your email like this? Did anybody go out and get your pigeon? Put the little letter in and send it off as email? No. See, that's the old way of sending mail. Status quo, not a chance. We've got millions of emails going. Well, many of you this week picked up a book and you began to read it. It was hardcover. It was softcover. Well, how about this? More and more now, we have the e-books. It's all over the place. A Kindle, a Nook. How many have one of those already? They're amazing. You can download, the, download a book in a two seconds. Boom, there it is right in front of you. See, status quo, no. So I want you to see this picture because we're not talking about email. We're not talking about e-readers. We're talking this week spiritually in our lives. This is a picture of what status quo is. Absolutely not. We are not going to stay the same. And that's what Paul writes to us as we begin Because Paul will remind us today of this amazing truth. God created each of us with tremendous potential. And he wants to help every single one of us, every one of you, to reach that potential. So that's why God says, status quo, not a chance. Not a chance. Now there's a basic underlying teaching 
and principle that I have to give you as we go through the teaching today. First thing for you to write is this. There are some things only God can do. And then there are some things only we can do. Some things God can do only. Some things we can do only. Let me give you an example. Only God can save a person. Only God can forgive and forget a person's sins. Only God knows the future, your future. Only God knows and can change a person's heart. Only God can do those things. Well, how about on my part? Only you and I can believe. Only you and I can have faith. Only you and I can obey. Only you and I can repent. And only you and I can give of our time and our talents and our money. And bottom line, since we're called Christ followers, only you and I can really follow God. Now, let me show you how that applies. Um, last week, I spoke about a prophecy God gave me in my quiet time in July. Well, here's what I want you to do. This was a prophecy God gave me. If you call this your home church, you must listen or watch the teaching. Because it has to do with the adventure of faith that we're all on in the next year. So please, go get a DVD at the Media Center, a CD, or get online and listen to it. I want every one of you to listen to it. Because God spoke to us as a church. Here's what I want you to do. And what he did, I don't have time to give you the teaching today. He spoke about what you're going to see in the picture right here. In this picture, this was taken this week. Monday morning, that looked very different. There were parking places there. It was placed to park. But God spoke to us because we've been, well, we've been trying to figure out when to build the next children's building. That we just don't have any more room on this campus for children. And so God said to me out of this prophecy from Mark chapter 6, you get it when you, when, you, when you read it and watch it. He said, see what you have. I'll make up the difference. Start building and trust me. So we have a little over $3 million in cash. We're paying other loans off, obviously, for where we're at. And God just said, start. Now, I think that's totally crazy. And I said to God, God, that's ridiculous. This is the worst economy. People are out of work. Everything's happening. And we're, the shuttle's going down and we're going to build. What, what is with you? And he basically said, what's with you? <laughs> I said it. You believe it. You start. So Monday morning, we started construction. There it is. Now, how's that going to finish? Huh? <laughs> that's where you come in. And people have already started to give. People have already stepped up. See, God's part was to tell us to build. Our part is to do what? Step out. We don't have a building fund. You're not going to see a thermometer. We're not getting envelopes out. We're not doing any of that. God's just going to speak to you. And people have already been coming in the office giving. And of course, it's going to be a year-long thing. See, that's the application. Now, look at what Paul says in every aspect of our life in verse 12. You're right there, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Paul says this. Therefore, my dear friends, in other words, he's talking to believers, as you've always obeyed, 
not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The first word is therefore. You know the biblical principle. Whenever you see therefore, you ask, why is it therefore? So what Paul is doing, watch me, very simple. Paul is connecting verses 12 and 13 with the previous verses. Well, what were the previous verses all about? The previous verses were about Jesus, who lived a lifestyle of obedience. In fact, so obedient that he went to the cross because the Father said there was no other way. So Paul is saying to these believers... You have a role model regarding obedience. That role model is Jesus. And then Paul is going to take in verse 12. In verse 12, he gives us three things that are my part, your part. Verse 13 will be two things that are God's part. So let me ask you to write the first of the three this morning. Here we are. Number one, our part. Paul says in verse 12, is we need to have a willingness to obey. See, Paul is challenging these believers to a lifestyle of obedience. You know, and I know, that obeying God and obeying His Word is simply an essential part of the Christian life. I told you on Wednesday nights, we're doing the life of David. And last Wednesday night, we learned two very important keys. Number one, partial obedience is complete disobedience. Well, God, I kind of did half of what you wanted. No, that's complete disobedience. And the second thing we learned was obedience, God says, in 1 Samuel, is way better than external religious ritual. You see, many people are doing their religious deal today, and they believe that's obedience. Well, that isn't at all what God wants. So Paul is saying, now you need to obey consistently, no matter what. Notice, as you have always obeyed, now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Paul wasn't in the town of Philippi. Some of you come from a Catholic background, and you kind of remember this deal. But us Protestants had our own way to do this. You remember this deal, that you would go on a Saturday or Sunday, and you would go to confession, and you would confess your sins. And then the next six days, you would get a new list for the next week to go. You know what I meant? Yeah. In other words, we only kind of live for God one day a week. The other six days, we live for the devil ourselves. And Protestants used to look at you and go, what's wrong with you? But what we would do is, the Protestants in the old days, we had Sunday night service. Sunday night service when everybody came to the altar made a recommitment to Jesus Christ. Because the other six days, we just lived for ourselves. How many remember that as Protestants? Come on, come on. Now here we are around the altar. Well, what does Paul say? If any of you are teachers today, you understand exactly what Paul's saying. If you're a teacher and you have your class under control, Everybody's listening and you're teaching. And they call you up to the office for a few months. You step out the door. What's that classroom look like when you walk out the door? Are you kidding me? I mean, it's bonkers. So what Paul says, 
I'm not interested in you obeying when the pastor is around you, when your parents are around you. I'm not interested in you obeying one day out of seven. He says, you need to obey all the time. Continue to obey because God lives in you. God's with you 24-7. Well, look at the last part of verse 12, and it's a little confusing. That's why we study the Bible in context. Continue to work out your salvation. Now, notice, Paul does not write, continue to work for your salvation. In your Bibles, just write this in the margin. For does not equal out. For does not equal out. Paul writes, we're to work out out our salvation. You see, no one can work for their salvation. And yet, by and large, that's the greatest misconception in Christianity or any religion for that matter around the world, that we can be good enough to work for or to earn our salvation. So I want you to write this down. Salvation can't be worked for. It can be worked out. Salvation is by faith through grace alone. It's simply a gift. Now, keep your finger right there in Philippians and turn back one book to the book of Ephesians. You know the verse, but it's good for us to remind ourselves of it today. Philippians, one book back is Ephesians. There it is. See it? Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and then 10. Chapter 2, 8, 9, 10. Good to hear all those leaves of the Bible changing. Good job. Now look what Paul says. For it is by grace that you've been saved. You got your salvation because God was gracious. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. No one deserves it. It's a gift. You've been saved by grace through faith. You had to do your part, believe God gave it to you, and then you had to believe. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And then Paul tacks these words on because he knew there would always be this earning mentality. And he says this, not by works so that anyone can boast. So Paul was saying to us, reminding us, reminding you, reminding me today, no person could ever earn their salvation. No person could ever be good enough to go to heaven. That's impossible. Good people don't go to heaven. There are no good people. We're never perfect. The standard is perfection. We always fail. So the only people that go to heaven are forgiven people. And they do that because of the gift God gives them. So what was Paul saying? He was not saying you're to work for your salvation. Doesn't work. Can't work. He says you have to work out your salvation. What you've already received as a gift is in you. Now you begin to work it out. Practice it in your daily living. What God has worked in by the Holy Spirit and that gift of salvation, then you begin to work it out. Now what does it mean To work it out. Well, to be honest, this is one of the most important passages in the Bible that describes our need as a Christ follower to grow 
in our Christian maturity. We would use the religious term, the doctrinal term called sanctification, set apart for God. So what Paul is saying, you have salvation in you. You received it by gift. Now do something with it. Show that your salvation is really, really real. So that brings us to the second thing that we do. Number one, obedience. We have to have willing obedience. But it's not just a one-time obedience. Here's number two. Our part, commit to being a growing follower of Jesus. The emphasis is on growing, maturing, being like Christ. Of course, this is one of our core commitments at CCM. Why does Paul challenge people to do that? Well, you understand this scenario very well. All of us know people who claim to be Christ followers. They claim to be Christians. And yet, as you look at their life, there is no discernible spiritual growth. And there is no change in their character. And there's no change in their lifestyle. Now, why is that? What are the reasons? There's really two. Number one, probably most of these people never really got saved. Most of these people never really became followers of Christ. Now, they may have come to the altar and they've been emotionally moved at a service. They may have watched Billy Graham or Greg Laurie and, and, and raised their hand and walked down. But nothing really ever took place inside. You see, they wanted spiritual life insurance. Maybe they were in a sermon or teaching, and I was teaching maybe on hell. And they went, I don't want to go to hell. How do I not go to hell? I'll get saved. Praise God. I'm right now. Boom. Right here they are. But you watch their life over a while, and you never see them anymore. Or they come, and nothing is ever changing. What happened? Well, nothing happened. You see, they wanted this insurance without any desire to change their lifestyle to match that of Jesus. So there's going to be many people shocked on Judgment Day. I don't have time this morning. Matthew 7 says, Jesus will say to you, I never, I never had a relationship with you. And that's because we... Well, we think this salvation thing is an event. It happens once and that's kind of it. I'll see you forever. That's not true. So the first reason is many people really never really get saved. They just kind of go through the motions. Number two, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, the second reason. Now, these people are saved, but Paul calls them babies, Christian babies. Yeah, yeah. There's no growth. He calls them immature. First Corinthians 3 tells us that. Hebrews chapter 5, he says to them, they're slow to learn. So he, Paul talks about the second group of people. And they're here, but they choose not to obey. They really don't grow in their walk with God. There's just a teeny, teeny, teeny bit of growth. And because of that, they're useless. And one day they're going to stand before God 
empty-handed. They, they have nothing to offer God. All the potential here that God had in them, they never hardly moved from zero. And so Paul says, that is not the lifestyle that God wants. And so Paul would say, listen to this statement. Paul would understand this 2,000 years ago. Our pews are populated every Sunday by people who have an intellectual faith, but not a faith lived out in daily life. They come to church. They throw a few dollars in the offering plate. They go through the motions. And they go home. There's no passionate love for the Lord. No real desire to spend time serving the Lord. And absolutely no power in their lives. They are like the people in Jesus' hometown. They've grown up with him, have a certain familiarity, but they've never experienced the power of the living God because they've never committed to a lifestyle of following and growth. You see, Paul would look at that and say, status quo? No way. That is not acceptable. Now, that little word back there in Ephesians and the Philippians, work out, look what, look what it means. It means this, to carry to the goal and to fully complete. That's my part. So you were created with this potential, all the gifts and the times and the talents, all of this. It's right here at this level. Here we are as a believer. It takes our whole life to get up to that area. And so that word work out means to begin to reach the potential in serving and giving and witnessing and sharing. It, it, it takes our whole life to reach that potential. We'll never, ever reach it, but we get closer. The immature person just never moves off center. And the person that's not saved never even gets started. So just stop for a moment. Take a little judgment call right now. Where are you? Here's God's potential. Where are you? See, Paul says, status quo, not a chance. Wrong. But our churches are filled with people who go through the religious motions. Verse 10, right where you're at, Philippians, tells us no status quo. Look what it says. Right after we see that we can't work for our salvation, Paul says this. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do... Good works. That's what our whole goal is, to be like Jesus, which God prepared in advance for us. Look at the last two words. To do. God said, here's your potential. Now you do it. You work it out. Here's your potential. I gifted you for that. You work it out and reach that potential. So it's God's part, and it's my part. That brings up a simple statement you want to write in your Bible. You don't have to do it this morning, but write it somewhere you'll remember it. Really key things I put in the first few pages of my Bible. Here's something I want you to write. Salvation is a present tense lifestyle. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark made it clear that we can't do the Christian life in our own power or will. It's a partnership. There are things that only we can do and things that only God can do. One of the critical characteristics we must have is a willingness to obey God. 
That can be challenging at times, but the rewards for obedience are worth the work. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue the teaching, Status Quo, No. We'll be reminded about the division of labor in this partnership with God through the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit empowering our Christian walk will be further explained. Being able to obey God and the joy that obedience brings will be expanded upon in this teaching as well. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.